Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen. Thank you, praise team. The book of Exodus chapter 29. It is so good to be in God's house with God's people. Nobody like the people, the anchor. I'm so blessed to be called your pastor. To all of our daughter works that are here and your pastors that are here, I give you honor tonight. Appreciate what the Lord is doing. God's doing amazing things in the end time, isn't he? Somebody say praise the Lord. Sorry I couldn't be here this minute, this morning. Certainly missed it, watched online. What a powerful move of the Lord and a word from the Lord through our assistant pastor. Amen. Victory belongs to us. We're going to win every battle we engage in. How many believe that today? Praise God. For all of those that have prayed and sent, conveyed your love through the loss of our former pastor and Bishop Ferris to the family, thank you for your love, your kind words, and your prayers. I know that they have been much appreciated by Sister Ferris, Sister Angie, and um, the whole family absolutely been encouraged by you and thank you for loving such a great man it's been uh, uh, very hard on me to know that he's passed today was his birthday he would have been 73 years old today and we love and appreciate the Ferris family very much can you say amen and continue to pray for the work there and and what is the next step at the Christian Life Center in Clarksville Arkansas we're believing for great things and that God's going to finish the work that was begun. Can you say man? How many is going to be praying with us about that? Praise God. We're going to, um, you all are a special people. When I say that, I, I say that in regards to all of our campuses that are here. You are the body of Christ and you're a great representative of the Lord and I believe like the Lord's very pleased with you. I want to please Him well, don't you? One of these days, he's going to say, enter in. Thy good and faithful. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to straighten up. Amen. Be good and faithful. Praise God. I don't know why it felt so good to say it, but it felt real good, didn't it? Everybody in the building just felt that. We are seeing great things. Brother Geo gave us a report of the revival and the summer harvest. Aren't we thankful for what the Lord is doing in our churches? We really are. The reports that we are receiving, so excited. And uh, Brother Crispin sent me a message today that 27 people have signed up for New Life class. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Brother Tony sent me a message today. I think a couple received the Holy Ghost in Crooksville today. And they had some first responders that were there and had a great response to the Lord. And, and somebody even made the statement. They said, I've never heard this talked about, about the Lord Jesus in that manner. I pray we can preach him the best we can preach him because he's worthy to be preached about. Can you say amen? Praise God. Um, I, my heart is full, but my heart is heavy. And because of this week, and, and we stand on the foundation of great men and women, the saints. This next year is 80 years. That's a long time. And three pastors in, in 80 years is exceptional. That's the truth. 
It's hard to believe I've been here 17 years, pastoring almost 14. And uh, Brother Ferris was 20, and, and Brother Guy Smith was 42 years. That's a, that's a long time. But we believe this message, and it's unwavering what we believe. It's not going to change. It's not, we're not changing the message. We're going to change the decor. We'll change probably the building, but we're not changing the message. Can you say amen? If it was good for Paul and Silas, it's good enough for me. Can you say shout hallelujah? Oh, lay your Bibles down. Just thank God for the church and the history and the goodness of the Lord. Would you do that? Praise the name of the Lord. We love you today, oh God. We worship you. Amen. Praise God. Exodus chapter 29, reading with verse 29. So Exodus 29 and 29, if you want to keep your Bibles open, we're going to stay near those, these, these, these verses. We're going, to, we're going to actually jump in the second Kings chapter two as well. But, uh, but right now, Exodus 29 and 29. I'm going to have to be real good at night because I could go for a long time on this subject. And uh, I heard somebody say, woo. I don't know if that was like a good woo. Or bad woo. Somebody stopped by one time. I, how many's ever been in the mall and you put one of those little your address in there to win the car? Anybody ever done that? Don't do it. It's not worth it. Cause you become you become a part of the marketing scheme. Somebody showed up at my house to sell me fancy gutters. I didn't live in a very big house. I said, how much how much is that those gutters going to be? You're trying to sell them. They said fifty eight hundred dollars. I said, wow. And the salesman said, is that a good wow or a bad wow? My wife said, that's a bad wow. <laughs> so whoever said woo, I don't know if that was a good woo or a bad woo, but I'll try to be good tonight. Can I pre just preach what I feel to share with you? Amen. Amen. I want to give you what I feel the Lord's given me. Exodus 29 and 29, it says, and the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him, shall be his sons after him, comma, to be anointed therein and to be consecrated in them. In what? In the garments of Aaron. It says, verse 30, and that son that is priest in his stead shall put them on seven days when he cometh into the tabernacle of the congregation to minister in the holy place. He said, the garments that belong to the high priest will be left to his son. Everybody say holy garments. I like to preach from this, this portion of scripture on simply leaving a legacy. Leaving a legacy. Would you ask God to speak to your spirit? Lord, we love you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We want to do your will. We want to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, amen. amen. Before you're seated, look at your neighbor and say, the garments matter. Amen. God bless you as you're seated today. Garments, the garments matter. First, first, let's establish something here tonight. And it is that Revelation 1 tells us that God has made us kings and priests under the Lord. He's made us kings and priests. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a priest. 
I do think that we have to be careful to only view the priest as the person in the pulpit. You are a priest before the Lord. To understand holiness and the scriptural precedence of holiness in our dress and how we live and act and conduct ourselves and even wear is that you've got to understand that you are in a priesthood. All of us are in a priesthood. Uh, I, think, I think I realize that all of us are not pastors. You're not all apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or teachers. But all of us have a cloak to wear of priesthood. Can you say amen? amen. And in the scripture, we find that there is significance about the garment because we find Adam and Eve were naked in the garden and God clothed them in a cuttinette. He clothed them in a garment that was modest. It was a garment that went from the neck with sleeves down to the knee or to the ankle. It was a garment that would have been modest upon them, a flowing garment. We find also that John the Baptist was recorded in his ministry. Well, I didn't just say John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ, but it didn't. It goes on to not only just prophesy from Isaiah that he was the voice of the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, but the Bible describes his garment, that he was clothed in camel's fur. His diet was locust and honey. Why is it saying these things about the garment? Because there's significance about the garment. It didn't just say Jesus was the son of God, but we find that the only thing that he owned at the moment that he died was his garment. And they gambled for his garment at the foot of the cross, yet they did not rend his garment. The scripture goes on to teach us that rend your hearts and not your garment. Because the garment is significant to the priesthood. Might not be significant to the citizen, but it's significant to the priesthood. Can you say amen? And so when you are looking at this, you'll find even it was so important that when God took Elijah into heaven and his son was with him. Come here, son. Come here, Elisha. He's going to be my Elisha tonight. And uh, can you bring me the garment? That there was a garment that, that faced that way, Elisha. Would you do that? You're, you're plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and that Elijah was told by the Lord to go anoint Elisha and he's working with his father's oxen to plow the fields and, and Elijah comes past him, doesn't say anything to him and smites him with the mantle and he just keeps on going. It so moves him that he stops what he's doing and the Bible says he ran after him. Run, run, Elisha. He ran after him and stopped him because he felt something from the garment that was upon the prophet. So much so whatever he felt, he said, just give me a moment to kill the cow to break the plow and tell my parents by, I'm going with you. There was something about the garments that he could feel that was upon the priesthood. Now, I know that's Old Testament, but we can get into the New Testament as well. 
Because in Acts 19, the Bible said that God did special miracles by the kerchiefs of Paul. That what they did, they removed from his body what he would wipe his brow with and they would take it and lay it upon the sick. And when it would touch the sick, they were instantly healed. Why? Because the garment is upon God's man that he has anointed for that purpose and that hour. Don't forget that it is not just emotionalism, but there is a touch of God upon that preacher that's in your church, upon that evangelist, that miracles can happen because God is with him. The garment is important to the priest, so much so that the apostle Paul in his last writings, he says to Timothy in the last letter he wrote before he died, following the words that we read and we tell at a lot of preachers funerals, when we hear the statement, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. You will find that he writes to Paul. Paul writes to Timothy a few verses later and he says, come to me. He says, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. He said, when you come and see me, Timothy, I want you to come before winter. I realize winter, but it's also talking about before I die. He said, bring me the garment that I wore when I evangelized and I went up and down the coast and I went from island to island in the boat, the things I was stoned, left for dead with, the garment that took me through troubled days, troubled seas, troubled times and hardships. I need to see that garment again. There's something about the garment that was upon me. Timothy, bring me the garment. The garment they would have covered his head with. The garment when it was drizzling rain. The garment when there was chilly waters at the island of Melita. The garment that would have brought him warmth. It was not just another cloak. It was the cloak. Can I say to you today that the garment of the priest is significant. Can you say amen? amen. I, I'm, I'm not talking about the suit jackets here today though. I, I'm talking about the position in which it holds. It was so important to, to, to God to leave behind because there was something in the garment. There was something on the garment. There's something the garment represented. It was called in the Old Testament a mantle. Everybody say the mantle. Are y'all all with me tonight? Because when the prophet prophesied and the Lord has spoken that he's going to take Elijah from the earth. The sons of the prophet knew he was going to be taken. There came a chariot of fire. There, there came a whirlwind. They were so close that it actually took the chariot of fire to separate them. And then he, Elijah went up in a whirlwind. And when he went up, there was part of him that did not go. It was Elijah's garment. It was Elijah's mantle. And he saw it. Then can I say to you in the building that the garment did not fall on Elisha, it fell near Elisha. It was something left behind when he is gone. It was something that had been proven with time, proven with trials.
There were tears in that. There were prophecies in that. There was revelation in that. There were miracles in that. That garment represented what God could do with a man and through a man. That's what the garment represented. It represented supernatural power. It represented God's provision, God's protection, and God's word. When you obey him, something will happen. Somebody shout, the garment of God's man. And it's laying there. It's laying there representing something that's still here that should be picked up and carried on. But before he left, he had a conversation with the son. Now, it wasn't a biological son. It was, it, was, it was a sonship of spiritual relationship. Everybody say sonship. sonship. You got to understand sonship to understand priesthood. It was not a biological son. It was a spiritual son. And he says to him, because God has chosen him to follow his in his footsteps. Are y'all with me? And he looks at him and he said, I am going to be taken. What can I do for you? He said, oh, there's only one thing I want. What is it that you want? Brother Tyler, he said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Preach it as God's spirit. But he said, he said to the prophet, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want the spirit that you have. You see, you could tell a person by the spirit in which they have. The Bible says that Caleb had another spirit. Can you say another spirit? He wasn't like his generation. He was separated from them. Your spirit matters. How you conduct yourself, how you live, your moral value, your moral compass, your, your convictions, your doctrine, what you teach, how you live. That's what it's talking about. And he said, I want... Let me just interpret it for you. I want your convictions. I want to teach what you teach. I want to live the way you live. Now, I, I know for all the theologians in the building, well, but you know, Brother Bounds, we find that when he said, I want a double portion of your spirit, that we do find calculated that Elisha actually had twice as many miracles as Elisha, as Elijah. How many know that's true? But that's not what he was saying only. Because when he said to Elijah, I want you to say, I want, go ahead, Finn, a double portion of your spirit. Amen. He said, it's a hard thing. But if you're with me, when I go, you'll get it. It's not hard to have double miracles because is there anything too hard for God? He was not saying it's a hard to have twice as many miracles as me. That's not what he was saying. What he was saying was, listen, it's hard to be me when I'm gone. It's going to be hard for you not to do your own thing when all the pressure of culture is around you. It's going to be hard not to change your doctrine when everybody else is, is going away from truth. It's going to be hard to hold on to the convictions I've taught you when everybody else is changing their conviction. It's going to be hard to be selfless in a selfish world. That's what he was saying. That's what he was saying. And when Bishop Ferris put his mantle on me in, in October of 2007, I didn't know it was gonna happen that night. I do know that God had visited me. You may be seated. Finn, you can come back up here in a minute. Take this with you. Now don't drop it now. When I was coming, I'd always wanted to be a church planner. I didn't want to be somebody who just stepped in, the, in another church. 
But I was driving up in front of the Kokona's furniture store and I stopped and the, the, the Lord visited me and it was a permanent, felt like a permanent feeling came on, up on me. Some of you don't know, but I was only on a six month term when I came. 17 years later, bless God. I wanted to be a church planner. I wanted to be a church planner. I came, worked with young people, served with the Ferris to the best of my, and Sister Ferris to the best of my ability. And I'll never forget driving up. After three years, I felt like a permanent come upon me and a love for this city. Not that I didn't love it before, but I was wondering when God was gonna call me to go plant a church. And I felt something here. I called my wife. I was coming north up on 22 by Kokona's Furniture at the stoplight where I later got rear-ended two different times. <laughs> Tell me the devil don't wanna kick you out of the city. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, felt something come over me. I called my wife, I said, I could get my grave plot here. A couple weeks later, the Lord spoke to me that Brother Ferris was gonna talk to me the next day at 11.30. That was in the month of September. Next morning, I went to see him 11.30, not intentionally, but saw him in his truck, got in the truck, and he said, you wanna run with me to Lowe's? I said, yeah, and I looked over, he was crying. I said, what happened? He said, the Lord called me to, the Lord called me back to Arkansas this morning at 6 a.m. I said, really? That, that was not the plan. He was gonna retire here and I was gonna serve here and that was the plan as they would be here. It, it was, that was the plan. He said, the Lord said, he's got one more work for me to do before I, he takes me home. It was gut-wrenching. I didn't want that. They didn't want that. But God had a plan for them. A few weeks later, I was preaching a message on I smell oil, the anointing oil. How many know the oil is, there's a fragrance of the anointing. Some of you wonder why you feel something here you don't feel anywhere else. It's because of the anointing. It, it's not the fragrance dispensers in the outlets, it's the anointing. It's not the decor, it's the anointing. It's not just the preaching or the singing, it is the anointing. The anointing is what you feel. It's the presence of God. Can you say amen? amen? It's what makes good singing great and decent preaching amazing. Can you say amen? amen. The anointing makes the difference. I'm gonna go ahead and preach it for a minute. It's the anointing that'll break the yoke in your family, the curses and the, the diseases and the sickness and the sins and the chaos. It's the anointing. Somebody shout the anointing of the Lord. Luke 4.18 says it this way. Luke 4.18, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To do what? To do, preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. The power of the anointing is to change your broken situation, is to make your miserable life better, to heal your broken heart, your broken spirit, to set you free. That's the power of the anointing. When a preacher preaches under the anointing, you start thinking, who told him what I did yesterday? When the preacher starts preaching on the anointing, you, 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 you get in your mind and you get back in the car and you say, honey, did you call the pastor and tell him what we were saying on the way to church? <laughs> the, 
devotion you had this week, the, 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 the chapter that you read last night before church, because the anointing brings out the value of the word of God. And the word of God is quick and powerful. The word of God is alive. What that means, it takes a book written over 2,000 years ago and applies it to right where you are. That's what the anointing will do. The anointing, there's nothing like the anointing. Somebody shout the anointing. I'm talking about an anointed man of God. I'm talking about anointed people of God. I can't do this. I'm not good enough to heal your broken family, but I know a man that can. I cannot open your blinded eyes, but I know somebody that can. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Somebody shout the anointing. What's that I feel, preacher? It's the anointing. The anointing is what? It is the spirit of God up on them. It's the spirit. I've been pouring water over young people recently. It's the spirit of God. That's what you feel. The typology of the anointing oil to the spirit of God. That's why when somebody any sick among you, James 5, 14, let them call the elders and let them anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Not because olive oil is going to heal you but because it's a representation of the anointing of God upon you. And if God touches you, everything's gonna be all right. I'm telling somebody in this room, you've got chaos in your life, but the touch of God, if God puts his hand on you, his spirit breathes on you, he's gonna fix it, he's gonna turn it around. Come on, I'm talking about the anointing. I'm talking about what God can do. He's able. Somebody shout the anointing. Jesus just reaches out and touches a boy in a casket and he comes alive. The anointing. Open the guilt, go wash your eyes, and spits in the ground, make spittle, put it on the guy's eyes, wash in the pool of Siloam, you'll be healed. He washes his eyes and he's healed. Why? Because of the anointing that's set upon him. I don't want to listen to singing that's not anointed. I don't want to sit under ministries that's not anointed. Are you hearing me? I don't want to hear preaching that's not anointed. I, I, I don't want some four-point sermon that was carved out of the womb of philosophy from some, from some theological seminary where they don't know the power and the, the call of God. I'm not against seminary, but I'm against... I'm against indoctrination of carnal mindsets that turn religion into some capitalism. That's not what this is about. This is about the heartbeat of God. This is about what God wants from me in the end time. We need the anointing. If you ever hear an anointed preacher ever hear an anointed singer, you're sitting in the classroom of an anointed of an anointed Sunday school teacher, you can guarantee they've been through something. There's been a crushing, there's been an altar, there's been a breaking. And out of that oil, olive came oil that flows, that now that changes lives. Somebody shout, we need the anointing. So I was preaching about the oil. Can I reminisce just for a moment here tonight? I was preaching about I smell oil talking about when the anointing was poured over David and the anointing was poured out of the alabaster, alabaster box of oil from Mary. The whole atmosphere changed in the house because of the smell of the oil. The smell on David would have been the fragrance. It was cinnamon, cinnamon, myrrh, cassia, olive oil, five ingredients that were mixed together. 
calamus all mixed together in a hint of olive oil. It was sealed, kept only for those that God was going to anoint. It was going to be up on Aaron and the priest. And when they would pour that over, it would soak into the garment. It was, it was not to be on the flesh. What that meant was you can't anoint somebody that's not covered. The Bible says that anointing poured over the flesh was an abomination. What it means was you give me a priest with no spiritual covering, I'll show you somebody that's going to be an abomination before God. They have to have a garment. The garment that covers them. The garment that is on them. Everybody shout, garments matter. The anointing would come over the top of the head and would soak down to the garment. Are you ready? Are you ready? Everybody say unity. unity. Psalms 133 and 1. How pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For it's like, for it's like the ointment that came down Aaron's beard even to the hems. You see that? Went down to the skirts, the skirts of his, everybody say garment. It, garments, it went all the way down. The, the oil flowed down his head. Everybody say anointing always has direction. Starts at the top and goes down. It does not, it does not bypass headship. You got to have somebody over you. You can be gifted and not anointed. You can be inspiring and not anointed. You can be inspirational, not anointed. To be anointed, you got to have somebody over your life. Jesus said it this way, I must be about my father's business. Y'all ready to learn a little bit? I must be about my father's business. That means I have to be doing, fulfilling somebody else's dream. Sonship is never about me. Sonship is always about somebody else. Watch, Jesus taught us sonship by saying, my father is greater than I. The problem is, is if we ever get to a place and say, I'm greater than my father. Bear with me. If we get to a place and say, I'm better than my pastor. I'm more gifted than the man that was over me. And that's why Elijah was saying to Elisha, what you're asking is a hard thing because there's gonna be a moment that you think what I believed in doesn't matter when I'm gone. But you gotta make a covenant it says, I'm going to preach what he preached. I'm going to live how he lived. I'm not going to change his convictions based upon the popularity contest of the crowd. What he was saying was, Elisha, are you, come here. What he was saying, hey, no, keep your garment. What he was saying was, your life is not yours. You're going to be me in my absence. And God forbid if something would happen to me and y'all start changing what you believe based upon what culture wants, what the world wants. When Bishop Ferris that night and I was preaching then that I smell oil, y'all know I always give my own altar calls, almost always, 95% of the time or more. That night the Lord spoke to me, hand him the microphone. With a Cody, I went to him and everybody was praying, standing at their seats and I just tapped him like this and I handed him the microphone. He grabbed the microphone, walked right to the pulpit as if we planned it. It wasn't planned. 
those that were here. And this is what he said. He said, when Brother Bounds read his text tonight, the Lord said, this is the man for this church. This is the pastor of this church. Brother Bounds, come here. Sister Bounds, come here. We came up and stood and he took his garment off. Placed, how many of y'all remember that? Placed his garment on me and said, this is God's man. And he moved to Arkansas. And I realize in the last 14 years, there's been questions on why do I hold to some things? It's not just because I believe in them. It's because there's some things I've got to hold on to because that was convictions of the foundation of what this church is. I know the Bible talks about traditions of men and rudiments of the world and that's a negative connotation, but it also talks about holding on to the tradition of your fathers. And I'm gonna to say to this congregation tonight, be careful, be careful to tear down the fence when you don't know why it was built. Be careful to change the doctrine when you don't understand the root of it. Be careful just to go do your own thing when you really don't know why you are where you are, why you have what you have. Somebody say amen. I want us to stand to our feet all over this building and shout, the garment matters. I took it very seriously, Brother, Brother Braden. I took it very seriously, Brother Elijah. When he said, I want you to be the pastor of this church. It was not only witnessed from him, it was witnessed from heaven and witnessed in my own spirit. My elders came to me and said, it is the will of God. There was a witness that I'm supposed to be here. And I want you to know, I want to be here. God has put it in me here. But I stand here standing on the foundation of a monumental man that believed this apostolic message. And I tell you today, I am not wavering after 14 years on one iota of what we've been. I'm wearing the garment of God's man. I want our anchor licensed ministers to come and stand with me. I want you to come. You know who you are. Our anchor licensed ministers to come and stand. Would you show a picture of Bishop Ferris? Would you have it up there for me? What a man. Can you say amen? amen. 20 years of fighting for truth. Wow. Elder Melik, thanks for loving truth. Thanks for supporting the preacher, for loving the man of God. You're like um, Moses had to have an Aaron and a Hur lift up his hands. Moments of war. Because preachers can't do it by themselves. They've got to have faithful people under them that help them. You know what's amazing is Everybody say the garment matters. When he anointed Aaron, he anointed those serving with him. And I'll never forget Sister Howdy Shell making a statement, Brother Tony. Brother Tony. I'll never forget when they came to the Lord and Crooksville, they showed up in Zanesville and they said to you, it's amazing, we feel the same thing in Zanesville, we feel in Crooksville. And I was preaching on Tuesday night up in Cambridge and 
And they called the pastor and said, it's amazing. We feel the same thing in Cambridge that we felt in Crooksville and Zanesville. You see, there's not five different anointings. It's just one anointing. And the way I see daughter campuses and the way it, 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 it's just another room in another city doing the same thing that we're doing in this city is a witness with the truth, with the same love, with the same mercy, same compassion that God's called me to and these men to. Same way I look, it shouldn't be a different ministry in the Sunday school class and I've seen that in churches that they're gonna do their own thing with the kids. You got the youth pastor, he's, he's taking off. Listen to me, shouldn't have a youth pastor trying to do his own thing. It ought to smell on Sunday night the way it did in youth class on Sunday morning. It ought to smell the same way in the, in, in the synergy class with the kids as it does on Sunday night. It, it should feel the same in a jail cell service with an outreach. It should feel the same. Why? Because he didn't just anoint Aaron. He anointed Aaron and those that worked with him. Now, now his garment didn't look the same. It, it, the high priest dressed a little different. And, and I imagine every now and then, because they had to look a little different. You don't mind, buddy. They had a tunic on. And, and when you study priesthood, the tunic of a priest always covered the legs. Even when you find Jesus appear in Revelation 1, the Bible says when John saw him, that his garment went to his feet. I think it matters how we dress in public. Covered that. Why? Because we're priesthood. And I imagine when they stepped in that position at age 30, that realizing that I noticed that our family dresses different than everybody else. And others can do things that we can't do. And Aaron has to say to the sons, it's because we've been called to something different. In, in, in a world that's right now preaching difference except modesty and keeping yourself until you're married and being wholesome and righteous. I just want to say that modesty matters to God and being holy matters to God. He said, be ye holy as I'm holy. Be modest, be righteous, be pure, be different. Because there's just too much biblical precedence to say that the garment doesn't matter. And when he anointed, can I get a bottle of water? Have I poured water over your head? Have I? Well, come here. It's your turn. Open the lid. Get in front of me. Not all of them. Be nice. Stand aside. Go ahead. Anoint me. Go on. God's not going to curse you. Something happens when Moses anointed the priesthood. It, it, it goes all the way down to the hip. 
but it wasn't just for him. It's for every position of the tabernacle that would be served by him and his sons. Everybody gets the same anointing. Everybody gets the same, same, same power. They get the same favor, the same connection. And he would take it and he, he poured it not only on Aaron the high priest, but he poured it upon his sons. No, get him good. He, want, he needs it. Don't get your pocket knife out, Finn, that I gave you today and you got in your pocket right now. Neither don't get your leatherman out that you got on your belt right now under your suit jacket. He's ready. I'm telling you right now, he's ready. It's dad and Sunday. He said, there's going to be an anointing. Simply it's this, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. And when David was anointed, Giants are going to die. Bears are going to be killed. Recovery is going to happen at Ziklag. There are going to be so many miracles. There are going to be so many things because while you're preaching, Brother Crispin, anointing, <laughs> you're not just preaching, anointing, you're not just teaching. sermon it doesn't have to be a perfect song it doesn't have to be a perfect Bible study because Aaron wasn't perfect Abraham was not perfect Moses wasn't perfect David wasn't perfect God uses imperfect people to fulfill his perfect work Don't judge us by our perfection because we will disappoint you. But he did say, don't touch my anointed and do my prophets no harm. That's why when Saul was wrong and Saul did the wrong things in a moment he was trying to kill David because he, there was things in his spirit that he come after David and Saul wasn't right. Saul wasn't doing right that he that David found him and cut a piece of his garment off. And when he did, he felt guilty when he could have killed him, seemingly justifiably. But he felt guilty because he had a piece of his garment in his hand. What have I done? Because that was an anointed man of God. I feel this for this church. Be careful to talk negative about people that had been anointed. Hold on a minute. Be careful to attack people that have been anointed that are now wrong. Let God be the judge and you be a restorer of the soul. I feel a word for this church. God is going to send people again to this church that were anointed but had become broken. Anointed that had mistakes. David had a mistake but God restored him. God's getting ready to do something <laughs> Let's love the anointed. I'm not justifying sin. I'm not justifying that. But we got to be careful to touch that which God has anointed. Come on, there's restoration going to be in this church. There's healing going to happen in this church.
hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. I mean, oh, God can anoint whoever he wants to. And what I feel for this church, we are going to be a total body of anointed people. Hey, Jason, Jason Dusenberry, wave your hand back there. Come up here and sit on the front row. I want you to come. Come here, buddy. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. I'm so glad you're here because I want you to hear what pastor has to say to you. God's not done with you. There's been like a, a wind back and fro in your life. I want you just, you just stand there. But God's not done with you. I want you to seek him and find that first love you had with God and let him restore some things that's been broken in your life. I want you to know, and I can speak for this body, we're glad you're here tonight. What God does here, we can celebrate in Vietnam. We can celebrate what God's doing in Guatemala. Man, when I got the text about Cambridge today, I rejoiced. You know why? Because it's one kingdom. Zanesville's not a kingdom. We're a part of a kingdom. I want to be what God <laughs> Brother Hyden, where you at? Come here, Brother Hyden. How can I not see you? Hey. Where you at, Moses? Come here, Moses. You need another bottle of water, Moses. Are y'all okay out there? The garment matters. Go ahead. Be, no, not the whole bottle. Adam, he's getting carried away up here. If it goes too bad, we're going to get Brother Adam and Sister Jeannie up here and let them be anointed in a minute. Hey, children's ministry. That's a pastoral position? Absolutely. They baptize and minister our kids on a level to take the gospel right to them. They need to be anointed. Our Sunday school teachers need to be anointed. Go ahead. Hallelujah. I want every room to be filled with the fragrance of healing oil. I want every room to be filled with the presence of Almighty God. Somebody shout the anointing. So these are ministers, but God's not just anointing the priesthood here today. I believe there's an anointing for this body that God wants to give. Bible studies in your home and people come into your house because the anchor church meets here. And when they're there, they say, what's that I feel? It's the anointing. What's on my pastor is also on me. What's at the church on Sunday is also on me on a Tuesday. How many believe that God's gonna heal people in your houses? I, I want you to bring Finn. Bring Finn a microphone. If you want an anointing in your life, I want you to run up here. Anointing, I want you to run up here. You want God to minister to you and through you. Come on. Doesn't matter if it's jail, if it's home, if it's altar working, if it's Bible studies, if it's reaching your family. Because it's not just for Aaron. It's for Aaron and his sons. I think we've missed this, Brother Hyden, a little bit, is that we've made just the preachers, the sons. But I personally believe that the church is supposed to become the sonship. And we start ministering to the broken world. 
I love preaching to the anchor, but it was not the will of God for me to preach you a, a thousand sermons and somebody that's never heard it once. Yeah. Hadn't heard it when you've got it a thousand times. Yeah. I don't think it was just ministering for the Nehemiah, for the castle to the church body. I believe there's Rahabs that are gonna come in. Do you believe that? I believe broken people are gonna come in. And you are priesthood for the clerk. High priest in your home. The Bible says addicted to the ministry of the saints. What does that mean? That the saints start ministering. What would you do if you thought God would show up when you prayed? If you thought God would show up the same way that you got impacted when pastor was preaching or the evangelist was preaching that you taught a Bible study in the jail or at your home or at college that God would show up and people would feel what you felt here, what would you do? I'm gonna tell you, we could change the city. We could change a region. We are changing a region. We are. For the castle, when you get up, you preach with fervor knowing it's beyond your imperfect message that you're gonna have every now and then. I mean, no, we're not gonna have it all right. Every now and then we're gonna get a song that's maybe a little flat and the beat that didn't get exactly right. But God's not drawn to us because of our perfection. Doesn't mean we shouldn't do our best. But what it means is I just want God to move through me. That's what I want God to do. I want you to lift your hands right now. I want you to tell God I want to be anointed. I want to be anointed.
Brother Mark, don't forget what I'm going to tell you. Jesus taught us sonship about being anointed. Nobody like him, but we live in his stead. The Bible says that Aaron's sons get his garments. Do y'all believe that? Elisha got his garment. I believe the anointing carries from generation to generation to generation. So Jesus had this mindset. Are you ready? Brother Tony, stand right there. Come in just a little bit closer. He, would, he said this like this. As a son, remember, he was our in-sample. The Bible also calls him our example. He said, my father's greater than I. But he said to the disciples, greater works than these shall you do. True sonship. True sonship. Pastoral ministry. Every pastor has a pastor. Everybody should have a pastor. Well, I don't need a pastor. Then you're outside of biblical precedent. It's a concept that says, greater than me, I want you to be greater than me. That is sonship. And every pastor here, you're going to raise up people. Because to leave a legacy, you've got to believe in the next generation. To leave a legacy, you've got to believe in the next generation. You know why you're here? It's because Bishop Ferris believed in restoration and restored your family. Your great or your grandfather, Paul Nutter, came back to the Lord, was restored after 20 years. And what has carried down through there. And now there's an anointing upon you because it was restored in him. I'm just going to tell you something that when Paul Nutter died, I got nervous because he brought something to this church in prayer that's so powerful. What I'm saying is I'm not here and what's happening here is not just because I'm here. You've got to understand that what's happening in your family might not just be because you're there. It could be like the prophet told Solomon, I'm going to bless you for your dad's sake, but your kids aren't going to know me. Because you're living in the blessing of the legacy of their sacrifice. But if there's going to be a legacy passed on, you've got to pay the price. You've got to have an altar. You've got to build an altar before the Lord. That's what I'm saying. If this is going to carry past you, you've got to make some sacrifices and dig out an altar and get along with God and learn who He is. It doesn't make sense to want to preach and ready to preach but never read the New Testament through. Are y'all hearing me? Study to show thyself approved. If this is going to carry on, there's got to be a generation that says, you know what? I want what he had, but I want to give what I have. Somebody shout, I want it. Legacy to be passed on. You've got to believe that there's somebody else that wants this. Not just I wanted it, but there's somebody else that wants this. There's another city that wants it. There's another generation that wants it. You know why you were doing new life class today? Sonship. Because you're, you're grateful for what you received. And I want to give it to somebody that wants to receive. You're grateful. You preached one time, I'm not just a servant, I'm a son. Never forgot it. Changed my perspective. Thank you. But he's in Woodsfield because he believed there's somebody there that wants what changed his life. 
these preachers are in different cities and different ministries and different places. Man, I, I'm done. I could go all night, I told you. But the garment, the garment matters. Somebody shout, the garment matters. That garment represents legacy. And if it's gonna get past me, I've gotta teach it, I've gotta preach it, I've gotta share it, I've gotta live it. Everybody say, pass on the legacy. I'm here because of my father and mother. I'm here because brother and sister affairs. But if he's gonna be in this, to have a me in his world that says I want you to be better than I've ever been I want you to preach greater than I've ever preached I want you to do more are you anybody getting what I'm saying that's what true sonship is this is now it's your turn what do you want I want double portion that's what should be in our churches we want our churches to be bigger we want them to grow greater we want them to see more we want to see more is there anybody that believes that way Hey, come here. Go up there with your dad. Go up, go up there with your daddy. Where, where's Christy at? Christy Coleman. Where's she at? Hey, go up there with your mom. She loves her mom. Legacy. That's a legacy. You're watching a legacy unfold. Everybody say legacy. We are here because somebody believed in us. How many of you want to have it go through you? How many want to pass it on to the next generation? Love it live it and lead it somebody shout love it live it and lead it i'm about to i'm about to be done but i believe in miracles i believe in restoration i believe in holiness living i believe in a move of god i believe in powerful church i believe in one god i believe in jesus name baptism i believe in filling of the holy ghost Initial evidence of speaking with other tongues. I believe this. Where's, where's Rosalind at? She's in the nursery. Somebody go get Rosalind and bring her in here. I'm almost done. Sister Chris, you gonna bring her? Amen. Somebody shout a legacy. That's why faithfulness to church matters. Stop going to church, your kids will stop going to church. If I stop having convictions in the home, my kids won't stop having convictions in their life. I've got to love it, live it, and lead it. Do y'all feel what I feel? It's better. We're in no hurry. It's Sunday night. There's not even school tomorrow. Talk about it. Dream together. Speak life in the next generation. I rejoice with every single one of these young people hey they're going to be better than us they're going to be better than us. they are you're going to do better than i've done this church was built upon the shoulders of giants that love this
man. We're going to wait. Jesus says, suffer the little children to come. He wanted them. I don't blame her. That's how I feel sometimes getting up here. I have to look at all you all. Come up here. Come up. Go ahead and bring her on up, Megan, you and, and Grandma. Come here, Brother Brad. We're so glad about your miracle. We rejoice. We give God all the glory and honor. Come here, Sister McHenry. Come here. Come on up. I hope she doesn't have a pocket knife hid somewhere. Amen. You held on to truth. And it impacted your kids. Because you stayed. sometimes the garment doesn't rep represent just the healing it represents everything I've been through if you've been living for God any period of time you're going to go through some things but it was the anointing that kept you through it's the anointing that kept you going it was the spirit. It was a sermon that was preached. It was something that came. It was while the choir was singing. It was a moment of prayer when I was by myself that I felt God come and give me peace and said, it's going to be all right. And I just took one more step, just went one more day. I, all I had was a board to hang on in the, in the cold waters near the island of Melita, but I made it. I made it. You held on and I watched something happen in him. For the bread, I watch the touch of God come upon your life. It's not at all in Him, it's in you. She's not acting like it's in her, but it's going to get in her. Amen. Praise in the name of the Lord. I'm almost done. Y'all don't mind me meddling just a little bit, do you? Come on, I'm thankful for Bishop and Sister Ferris holding on the truth 20 years. That's what I'm preaching about. We're going to carry it on. And, and, and if God would ever have us to change services to a one service Sunday, we're going to let God do that. But until then, we ought to be faithful. If that's what the pastor feels, to keep coming to church on Sunday night. How many know it's true? You've got to hold on to the conviction. Say, that's my pastor. That's my church. I'm going to be faithful. I, I don't want to miss what God feels he's doing in this hour. Whether it's the wide bridge or wherever. <laughs> I'm almost done. Give me one moment here as I hang out with you and tell you what I feel. Brad, it was sort of like this. He said, Timothy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I'm persuaded that in thee also. He was saying this. There's a legacy. Grandma had it. Mama's got it, and I know you've got it too. It was in Guy Smith. It was in Bishop Ferris. Come on now. Bishop Guy Smith, Bishop Ferris, it's in me. I'm convinced it's in you. There's a legacy. There's a legacy. Hallelujah! 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Brother Tony, come and pray for us. If you want an anointing in your life, you want a double portion, like, like Brother Finn taught us tonight, you got to hold on to some things. When Jesus made this statement, if you're going to come after me, you've got to what? Deny yourself. Living for God in sonship is not about what I want. It's about what my father wants. Can you say amen? We do it because that's what the father wants. That is sonship. And if you do the father's business, guess what? You get the father's anointing. That's biblical precedence. How many want to be anointed by God? Pastor Tony, I want you to come. I want you to pray. When he starts praying, you're going to feel the anointing in his life. Come over. How many want to receive the touch of the Lord to do something mighty for God? Amen. Lift your hands as Pastor prays for us. Everybody lift your hands. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we receive tonight, Lord, what's been imparted in this room to us. God, we understand the responsibility. That anointing that we all desire, we understand there comes a crushing with that. It's the oil that gets squeezed. Situations in life we sometimes we don't understand. But I pray, God, as we mature in our faith, as we live out our lives, Lord God, and live out Scripture, what Scripture says, that we hold fast to the profession of our faith. God, that we do not waver, Lord, and we're fighting the good fight of faith, Lord Jesus. God, and we make a covenant tonight as a church, God. We make a covenant with our mind. We make a covenant with our heart. Come on, I want us to do that right now. We make a covenant with our hands tonight. We make a covenant with our feet. We let not any unclean thing be set before us. Come on, don't let any of flies get in that anointing. It's just a little leaven that leaveneth the whole lump. But God, we render our hands pure and holy to you tonight, God. God, let us have clean hands and pure hearts, oh God, that when people see us, God, that we are the salt and light of the world, the city that sit on a hill that cannot be hid. God, I pray for every marriage in this house tonight, Lord Jesus, that every marriage would be anointed, God. Lord God, that healing, Lord God, would flow, God, from the avenues of the ministries in this church. God, from the nursery to the Sunday school to the youth, God, to the elders, to the saints of God, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray, we receive tonight, Lord. God, we render ourselves to your will, not our wills, but yours be done in our life in the name of Jesus. Come on, all over this house, would you just join around somebody with you and encourage them. Come on, we are the body of Christ. Amen. We're, we're that which produces. There's a revival ahead of us. It's only going to be the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's not going to be about our own works, but we should boast, but it's going to be in closets of prayer. It's going to be in our submission to the will of God and the man of God in our life. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Lord, we render ourselves to you, Lord God. We'll keep the garment on. We'll keep it holy. We'll keep it righteous, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Can you say amen? Would you clap your hands and thank God for His Word? Before we leave, I just, 
I just want to say we're going to see more miracles than we've ever seen. But the future of this church is going to be in all of us getting involved with reaching people. I just believe that the greatest revival we're going to see is going to be in our streets. Rehabilitation homes, jail cells. We're going to celebrate those every Sunday. What we've been doing all week in the community. That's the way it should be. Not just what happens on Sunday and Wednesday. Let there be an amen. You ever wonder why Jesus got baptized? Somebody asked me that on an airplane one time. I gave him this verse. Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer to be so now. When John asked him, John, but John forbade him saying, I have need to be baptized of thee and comest thou to me. That's when Jesus said went to be baptized of John in Jordan River. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness Then John baptized him. Why was Jesus baptized? He didn't have one sin in his life. Not one sin in his life. Why did he do it? To fulfill all righteousness. And when he was baptized, as the firstborn of every creature, as the firstborn of all of us, everybody say the Son of God. When he come up out of the water of baptism, guess what happened? A voice out of heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's why all of us are to be submerged in water because nobody was baptized any other way but by submerging in water. Acts 8, the Bible says they went both down into the water. There's a, there's a movie, I think, called The Book of John or something. Jesus and John the Baptist go out in the water. They get all the way out in the pond and he takes his hand, dips water, and pours it over his head. That is not what happened. That's not what happened. That's tradition. That's not what happened. The word baptism means to be submerged. That means to go all the way under. I've rebaptized a lot of people because their hands stuck out of the water. Why? Because I just want to do what they did. Completely submerged in water. Why was he baptized? To fulfill all righteousness because we were born once as the son of man, but we're born again as the sons of God. John 1, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And as sons, we take on heir to his throne of God, the power of God. Baptism is part of that. What am I doing? I'm washing away my sinful nature and I'm putting on the nature of Christ and that's why he fills me with his Holy Spirit, which is the power to become the sons of God. I'm burying the old man. I'm putting on a new man. We baptized, I believe, two more this morning. If you're here and have not been submerged in water, you need to be. You need to be. It's just the Bible way. I could show you verse after verse after verse on it. If you're here, you say, I've repented. I've repented, but I have not been baptized. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus to fulfill all righteousness. Can you say amen? If you'd like to be baptized, if you'd like to be baptized, you have not been baptized. You say, why are you doing this? Because it's a summer harvest. There's going to be people come every service, amen, that want to be right with God. If you've repented of your sins, maybe you've been filled with the Spirit, but not been baptized, virgin water, but you want to be, raise your hand. I'm just going to look across the room here before we go. And see, I'm going to have Taco Bell, wherever you're going to go, Cracker Barrel, wherever it is. Anybody here that was said, hey, I'd like to be baptized? Anybody? Anybody? Is there a hand up? Amen. Praise God. 
Amen. We, we're going to do that. We can do that tonight. Can you clap your hands and thank God for that? I want to be a son. I want to be a son. If you want, uh, you're going to do that tonight. Um, Brother Mealy, would you go to that door and he can meet you there and, and do baptism tonight. Amen. Praise God. If that's Tuesday night, it would be great tonight. They want to wait, we'll, we'll know. But he can go over there. Anybody else want to be baptized? I don't pressure people. This is always a choice. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Let me know the Lord's good to us. Would you clap your hands and thank God? Greater works. Greater works. Hallelujah. I feel the Lord. I don't know why I'm lingering except I feel like God's wanting to do something to some people here tonight. Anybody need a miracle? Raise your hand. Amen. God already knows that he's going to take care of it. God already knows it. In the timing of God, he's going to fix what you're praying about. Trust the timing of God. God already sees declared the end from the beginning. Just trust him in the process. Who needs a miracle? Who needs a miracle? Everybody needs a miracle. Come and stand right here. They all, everybody press back just a little bit. Everybody needs a miracle. Come on. <laughs> we believe in miracles, don't we, Brother Jones? We believe in miracles. Jesus cares about you. And we've got people from our daughter works. It's amazing. The Lord's going to fix it. So good to have you all back. Amen. God's going to fix it. Praise God. But Mark, come on. We're going to pray. Everybody stretch your hands this way. I want you all to tell the Lord what you want Him to do. Would you just lift your hands and tell God what you want Him to do? Brother Muller's going to pray over us. in the name of Jesus by your power in your name Jesus I, I, I speak healing over them I speak the miraculous over them God as they have stepped forward by the admission of their faith oh God I ask you to do the work that only your spirit can do God that you would receive the glory in their lives in their bodies in their hopes oh God in you and the belief in your name and the belief in your word in Jesus name let it be so God we give you the glory and thank you hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Let's praise him for what he's doing right now. Hallelujah, Jesus, mighty God. Receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mighty God, to you the glory. Let's rejoice right now what the Lord is doing. There is healing. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your power. We thank you, almighty God. We thank you, almighty God. Thank you, Jesus. dismissed in Jesus name leave a legacy leave a legacy leave a conviction leave what you feel behind teach somebody amen God bless you today I'll see you Wednesday night thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast 
If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.